Hey guys, welcome back to Sarah Says, the weekly podcast with me, Sarah, CEO and Chief Scrunching Enthusiast over at Sockbun Studios, talking about whatever it is that's on my mind. Happy almost new year, everyone. Can you believe this is the last podcast of Sarah Says for 2021? Wild. I started this year with the goal that I wanted to do one podcast episode a week, 52 episodes. That's lacked a little bit in the summer. There were a couple of weeks that that didn't happen. And then I tried catching up and then Christmas completely took over. And here we are. I have met the goal in terms of numbers and it's time for the December wrap up. It's going to be a little different than the other monthly wrap ups because Instead of just talking about the very few books that I read in December, and we don't really have any new movies because they were all Christmas movies that we've already discussed, I wanted to go into what my favorite books were for the whole year versus the ones that I could not get into, did not like, and also the ones that I just did not even finish. So let's wrap up the month of December and wrap up 2021. Yet everyone got COVID right here at the end. So it's another one of those. See you never 2021 (laughs) until next year. Hopefully we're, hopefully we're better in 2022. I can only hope. Okay, let's start with the books that I did actually manage to make it through. The first one was A Season for Second Chances by Jenny Bayless. I know of Jenny Bayless because I got her first book, The 12 Dates of Christmas, last year still have not read it yet. I, you know, I have this thing that I'm like, well, it's a Christmas book, so I need to read it at Christmas. So when I ran out of time last year, I'm like, oh, I'll read it this year. But then I was reading all these other books and, you know, of course, all of the movies that I saw haven't read it. But but then I own it. So I'm like, well, I got to read the library books first. (laughs) It's a mess. Anyway, I have a couple of days left. Like, even though it's after Christmas, it's still in the month of December. So I'm going to attempt to try and get that one read by... December 31st here in a couple of days. But I'm very excited because if this is her writing, I'm obsessed. Like, I can't say it highly enough. I've said it before. I'll say it again. British authors just do it better. I don't know what it is, but there is not one that I hate. It's like I pick it up. I'm like, oh, British author. Okay. I normally don't even realize that it's a British author that I'm picking up. But if it's a new book, I don't know this. I start reading it and then... Like, there'll be a reference. I'm like, oh, British author. Okay. <laughs> like, they're my favorites. Sophie Kinsella, Jill Mansell, Beth O'Leary, now Jenny Bayless. Uh, Samantha Young is Scottish, but even though, you know, they want their independence, that is still part of that island. So, like, we're going to count it. Okay. Lindsay Kelk. They don't miss. They do not miss. Simply, that's all I have to say about it. This reads... Annie Sharp's spark for life has fizzled out. Her kids are grown up, her restaurant is doing just fine on its own, and her 26-year marriage has come to an unceremonious end. Untethered for the first time in her adult life, she finds a winter guardian position in a historical seaside home and decides to leave her city life behind for a brand new beginning. When she arrives in Willow Bay, Annie is enamored by the charming house, the invigorating sea breeze, and the town's rich seasonal traditions. Not to mention, her neighbors receive her with open arms. That is, all except the surly nephew of the homeowner whose grand plans for the property are at odds with her residency. As Christmas approaches, tensions and tides rise in Willow Bay, and Annie's future seems less and less certain. But with the little can-do spirit and holiday magic, the most difficult time of her life will become a season for second chances. There are not enough good things to say about this book. So, like, I already recommended it to my friend that's going, um, 
getting ready to go through a divorce. I'm like, you need to read this book. <laughs> Even though it's a fictional book, I'm like, you need to read this book. So she got pregnant at 17. She married her husband, Max. They grew up together, basically, at that point. They had twins. And she went on to be a chef, and he does the front end of the house. They own this restaurant called The Pomegranate Seed. And at the beginning of the book, she's, like, closing up, kind of reminiscing about this when she hears a noise, only to find her husband cheating on her with someone that works at the restaurant. And this is not the first time that he's cheated. This is the first time she's caught him, though. And at this point, she's like, I'm done. Like, I, I'm done. She goes off to a hotel sleeps it off for a couple of days first because of the shock. Her sons call her and they're like, hey, we heard. She's like, I'm so sorry. And they're like, what are you apologizing for? Like, you have nothing to apologize for. We are so happy for you. If you are looking for confirmation, like, do not go back to dad. We do not want this for you. And she's like, you knew? And they're like, yeah, we knew pretty much all along. And she's like, oh my God, like here I was trying to save you guys from it. And they're like, yeah. And they're like, but it's okay. Like, go live your life now. We're grown. We're happy for you. Whatever dad says, do not go back to him because Max is a manipulator. So on that advice, and she talks over with um, a manager for the hotel, Sally, who she becomes friends with, she finds this residency ad in the paper from this very nice older woman named Mari who lives in this historical home and she's like, well, my nephew, John, doesn't think it's safe for me in the winter because last winter was really hard. So I just need someone here to keep up with the house during the winter. Um, you don't have to pay rent. You just keep up with utilities and your own food. And she's like, well, this is great because Max has locked her out of their account, which I also don't understand how that's even physically possible. If it's a joint account, how he can lock it. Anyway, she's out of money for most of the book because he just refuses to unlock the account. And and he's like, well, this is great because, like, I'm already living off of credit card, basically, because I have no access to our joint banking account. So she goes, she meets Maeve and uh, Gemma and all of these people. They start this little Victorian book club. She like the house was so big and it had like a tea room and stuff. So she opens up the coffee kiosk, which Mari had run for a long time, but it stopped, uh, makes friends just with everyone. Everyone is so welcoming. And <laughs> except for John, Mari's nephew, um, they do not get off on the right foot. Uh, but then, you know, then at the end of the day, it's really sweet. Um, I mean, I just, I don't know what else to say about this book to make you want to read it because if you don't have the ideal goal to go pack up your life and live in a little British village somewhere, you and I are not on the same page. This is all I have wanted since reading my first Jill Mansell book. Probably since one of the Sophie Kinsella books. Like, I'm thinking of which one really focuses on, because hers are more like big city, but uh, definitely Jill Mansell. Like, that's all I want in life. It's to just live in a little village. Like, I don't care if it's countryside, seaside. I, I don't care. I want my little Sunday pub lunches. I, <laughs> I want my pub roast. I want to just um, have quiz nights and, ha like, know everyone and just walk everywhere, ride your bike and stuff. Like, that's living my dream. Okay, that's living my dream. Um, but this book is, it's so good. 
you get so invested in everyone's lives. The ending, like, I actually wish it, like, hadn't skipped forward. So it ends at the beginning of December, but then you get the epilogue, which is uh, on Christmas Day. Uh, And so, like, I enjoyed that, but this would not really be a Christmas book for me. I read it in December because I thought that it was a Christmas book. Um, but you could read this one anytime, but definitely put it on your list. Definitely read it. Now I absolutely cannot wait to read The 12 Dates of Christmas, and I can't wait to read whatever's next because this is only her second book. So I'm very excited because I'm a, I'm in love. I'm obsessed. Always in December was the next book that I made it through by Emily Stone, another British author. <laughs> This is her first book. I'm going to attempt to get through this review without crying, but I make zero promises. Like, this is a book that was so good, but that I could also never read again because it emotionally scarred me. It's like the family stone for me. I don't understand how people watch that movie every year because I'm like, but how? Because don't you cry forever? Um, I'm going to read it and then we're going to talk spoilers. So, uh, just be ready, but I'll tell you, like, I'll tell you before I get to the spoiler parts. Okay. <sighs> okay. Compose myself. It says, it started with a letter. It ended with a love story. Every December, Josie posts a letter from her home in London to the parents she lost on Christmas night many years ago. Each year, she writes the same three words, missing you always. But this year, her annual trip to the post box is knocked off course by a bicycle collision with a handsome stranger, a stranger who will change the course of Josie's life. Josie always thought she was the only one who avoided the Christmas season, but this year, Max has his own reasons for doing the same. And coincidence leads them to spending the holiday together. A glow with new love, Josie thinks this might be the start of something special, only for Max to disappear without saying goodbye. Over the course of the next year, Max and Josie will find the fate continues to bring them together in places they'd never expect. New York City, Edinburgh, the quiet English countryside, and it turns out Max has every reason to leave and every reason to stay. But what does fate hold for Josie and Max as Christmas approaches again? A devastating, romantic, life-affirming love story always in December will stay with readers long after they finish the last page. And that's absolutely true. That is absolutely true. So Josie is getting ready to go to the post office box. She has just broken up with her boyfriend, Oliver, because he has cheated on her. And she tells her flatmate, like, I just need to go to the post, like, need to run an errand really quick. I'll be back. But as she's going, she's just thinking everything over, basically, and loses track of what she's doing and runs smack dab into Max, who has just gotten out of this cab that's pulled over to the side. And she's mortified. She's like, oh my God, are you okay? The cab driver is all in a huff about it, but he's like, it's fine. And she looks at his phone and she's like, oh my God, your phone. And uh, he goes, it's fine. I'm fine. Like, don't worry about it. And so she goes, well, the least I can do is get you a drink. So she gets a drink for him. And then he's like, well, like I'm stuck here. I was supposed to catch a flight to New York City but that didn't work. So, like, I think you owe me hanging out tomorrow at Winter Wonderland or whatever it's called uh, versus me just sitting in my hotel room. So, she's like, okay. So, they go off. They do that. They run into her ex, Oliver. And then 
Uh, like, and he poses as, like, a friend that, like, they're kind of together, but, like, you don't know, really. Uh, and then he's like, okay, well, what are you doing tomorrow? So they end up hanging out. He goes to her Christmas work party with her. They end up sleeping together. They spend Christmas Day together. And then that night, he writes her, uh, like, he leaves. She falls asleep because his flight is, like, she knows that his flight is on Boxing Day, which in England is the day after Christmas. And, but she wakes up on Boxing Day and he's just gone. And there's this, um, letter. And then, and he says in this letter, I, I literally screenshotted this because I was like, this is too much. He says, I wish I could see you again, but I doubt life will be that kind to me. So I'll have to settle for these last few days, which have been incredible. You are amazing. And you made missing a flight and getting stuck. One of the best things that's ever happened to me. It meant so much to me spending Christmas with you. And please know that I will be forever glad I met you, Max. P.S. I hope you don't take the sideways move or whatever that your company offered you. I think you're destined for better than that. Because she had been laid off and all of this. So I, I'm telling you, I'm trying so hard to get through this and not cry. So she, it, like, uh, that's that. Like, we reconvene. It's been a couple of months. Max is in New York. And he's with a friend. His parents are there and all of this. And I'm like, oh, my God, he's going to run into Oliver because um, her ex, Oliver, has gotten a job in New York City, which she knows of because um, it like that happened at the same time. So I'm like, oh, my God, he's going to run into Oliver. And, and I was just like, I'm just waiting for it, you know. Then he does. He goes to this work party and Oliver Sarah was like, oh, my God. But who's also there? Josie. I was floored. I was floored. I was not expecting this whatsoever. She is there. They've gotten back together. I was like, oh my God, what are you doing right now, girl? Like, what are you doing? Have some self-respect. So she kind of brushes him off. He is, he's shocked. And he's like, what, what are you doing? She's like, uh, no, you, like you left. I decided to try and work things out with Oliver. Like it was one time. It was an accident. All this. I was, I was shocked. I was shocked and dismayed. So, um, then we reconvene later and she's back in Edinburgh. She, or well, she's in, uh, in Edinburgh for, uh, her friend's wedding, Laura, who Max also met. And, uh, she's since broken up with Ollie, uh, again. And not because he cheated again, but they just realized that really the only reason that they were together was, um, uh, because, um, they, you know, they were trying to work things out and being overseas. So she gets to the wedding. She's walking around. Guess who's there? Max is there. Uh, <laughs> so again, they have, they have all of this. She thinks that he's dating his ex, which he's not. And so, um, then he introduces her to his friend who is a photographer, like famous photographer. And we pick up again. She is, she's done this photography class and it's almost Christmas time. And she's getting ready to go off with B, her flatmate, her, well, her old flatmate now. And she gets a phone call and her grandmother who had helped raise her at this point, her grandparents is in the hospital because she's had a heart attack. So she like just rushes off. And at the same time, Max 
has gotten in touch with B, finds out about this, and goes off to find her. Um, because we find out that, um, well, we don't know at this point anything. So at this point, if you do not want this spoiled, which, okay, I feel like I kind of just like a little spoiled it, but if you don't want to know what happens and you, <laughs> oh man, you you want to be shocked. You want to read this book and be all in for the shock. I'm going to give you five seconds and then just go ahead and fast forward on. But if you want to be prepared or you just want to hear my, me cry about this book, um, go ahead. So you have five, four, three, two, one. Okay. If you're here, if you're still listening, that means that you are ready for this book to be spoiled. So we find out that he's supposedly writing this letter, trying to explain things to Josie. But instead, he finds out about her grandmother and goes off to her. And they have this wonderful, um, they have this wonderful day together. Her grandmother's in the hospital and she wakes up in the middle of the night um, and she's sitting down there and he comes downstairs and he's like, and she goes, oh, I hope I didn't wake you. And he's like, no, I just had this headache. And then she gets a phone call that they're like, had to rush her grandmother off into surgery. So they go off to the hospital and they're waiting there. And like, you know, he's got this headache and stuff, but the, her grandmother comes out of surgery fine. So she goes off to visit and he's like, I'm uh, like, I'll be out here. I'm just going to go get coffee. So she says, okay. Well, she visits her grandmother, realizes that he hasn't come in. So she goes out and she's like, what? Like, you know, where did he go? This was so weird. Uh, and she's looking all around. Her aunt Helen comes out and the nurses come over and they're like, were you here with, uh, his name's Max? And she's like, yes. And they're like, I'm so sorry. He passed away. And I, I was like, like, what? Wait, sure, what? And and she's like, wait, what? Like, no, like, no, you have to have the wrong person. And they're like, no, he had a brain aneurysm. I, I was like, what? I was like, excuse me? They're like, but, you know, he probably had a bad headache. And Josie then is thinking like, oh, oh my God. Like, and they're like, but he wouldn't have thought anything of it because of the tumor. Guys, he had a brain tumor the whole time. The whole time he had a brain tumor and he was dying. Oh my God. So she like, she's like, what well, this, this can't be. But he had literally just told her aunt about this when he was trying to get the information of where she was. I'm literally, I'm crying right now. <laughs> and uh, so her, her aunt's like, no, it's true. Like he was trying to tell you, wanted to tell you in person. So she gets this letter. So her aunt gives her this letter. Oh my God. Okay. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. But it says, Josie, I hope I get the chance to tell you all this in person, but we both know firsthand that life doesn't always place, um, play out the way we want it to. I don't want to ruin your Christmas by telling you this now, but I want to make sure I don't leave you without an explanation. So this is for after Christmas, just in case. When I first met you last December, I just found out that I had terminal cancer and an operable brain tumor. They couldn't give me an exact date of when my time would be up, just that it would be at some point, possibly in as little as six months. I was on my way to New York to see my parents, yes, but also because being the optimistic doctors that they are, they wanted me to go into a clinical trial there, which was supposed to increase both my quality and length of life. I didn't mean to get close to you. I certainly didn't mean to fall in love with you. 
knowing that there could never be any future between us. And as I got to know you, I hated the idea of you suffering too. I didn't and don't want you to give, uh, want to give you another person to grieve. That's why I left you the, <laughs> like, this is why this book absolutely wrecked me. Okay. That's why I left you that way last year. I let myself have those few days with you, but I thought it would be better for both of us to cut ties. I never thought I'd see you again, but I'm so happy that our paths were destined to intertwine. I've been selfish allowing myself to see you coming to the wedding just to be near you because having you in my life, even just as a small part of it, has made this last year more bearable and has given me reason to hope when I thought that was lost. I've been trying to work up the courage to tell you this all year. The treatments haven't worked and I've come to accept that there is no way out of this for me. I'm nearing the end, but you've given me moments of joy in this last year where otherwise I would have only had darkness and I want you to know how much that means to me, how grateful I am to you. I nearly gave up twice in the last year, once last December and once this September, and both times you gave me a spark of something back. The doctors have told me that things will get worse from here. There might be some personality changes. I'm going to get more noticeably ill, and soon I won't be able to hide it from anyone. I don't want you to see that. I want you to remember me as you've known me, rather than as someone ill, confused, and dying. It's selfish, and it's another reason I've put off this moment. Hoping that I would go quickly and quietly without you having to be part of it. If that happens, then know that that's the way I would have wanted it. I'm so sorry, Josie. I'm sorry that I put you through this. I'm sorry that I couldn't stay away from you, but I'm not sorry for loving you. I could never be sorry for that, and I hope you're not sorry for it either. We might not have had forever together, but I meant what I said last year. I will be forever glad I met you. I love you, Josie, and I hope your life is full of, of amazing, unexpected, brilliant things that shine as brightly as you do. Know that if I had the chance, I'd choose to spend my life with you, forever yours, Max." I mean, oh my God, you guys. <laughs> it was... Oh, you think I'm crying a lot now? You should have seen me the first time I read this book at like 1.30 in the morning sobbing. Literally sobbing. Oh my God, I was crying so, so much. So we get to January and she is at the... So it's just been a couple of weeks and she is going off to his funeral and uh, she meets his sister and his parents. And his sister says, um, right before they leave, she says, uh, what I meant to say is, and I don't know if this will make it better or worse, but he hoped you'd take it. And Josie says, what? And Chloe says, Botswana. He'd hoped you'd take the job there. She paused and smiled, her gaze going distant for a moment. When she looked back at Josie, her eyes were bright he thought it might make you realize how much you shine because she'd been offered this job in Botswana as a photographer from the guy, like he had uh, heard from his photographer friend. And uh, so then we get the epilogue. It's the following December. She's in Botswana. She's getting ready to leave. So, but first she's like, I got to post these two letters. So the first letter is to her parents and it says, um, dear mom and dad, I'm writing to you from Africa this year. Would you believe it? And it's Christmas time again already. Things have been busy, hectic, and amazing. I know you'd have loved it here. Memo is doing fine. That's her grandmother. And the doctors think she'll be okay. Thank God for that. I've promised to spend Christmas with them next year at home, no matter what I end up doing next. And I'm already looking forward to it. I still miss you both, and I always will. But I'm so proud of where I am now. And I know you would be too. Merry Christmas and lots of love, Josie. Then she writes a letter to Max. Guys, I'm telling you, I am a wreck, but I just feel like you need to be totally emotionally prepared 
if you want to walk into this book um, and not have your life ruined. So it says, Dear Max, almost a year exactly since I last saw you and I feel both so much, uh, and I feel both that so much time has passed and that none has passed at all. There's a part of me that still expects you to just show up out here in Africa in that way of yours, and I'm not sure if that will ever pass. Maybe that's because you're still with me in a way that will never change. I've been Skyping your sister from out here. She's not much into letter writing, she says. After you died, she and Liam rearranged the wedding, and they're due to get married next June. It's going to be in the same castle as Laura and John's wedding because I told Chloe about that weekend, about how happy you'd been when you were there. She's invited me, and I'm going to go. I'm going to go, and I'm going to dance out under the stars there and think of you. I wish he would have told me what was happening to you, Max, but I understand why you didn't, though that part has taken some time, I'll admit. I know that you were just trying to protect me from it, but you should have known that would never have been possible, because as much as you said that I made your life brighter, you were the light in mine when you were there, and so many times when you weren't. I wish so many things. I wish you hadn't felt you had to go through all that alone. I wish this hadn't happened to you because I know in my heart that had we had the chance, we would have been together forever. I wish I'd gotten to know you sooner so that I could have known you for longer, but I'm learning that you can't change what was. So instead of wishing, I'll use this letter to thank you. These past two years have changed my life and all of that started with you. You helped me show me that I could do things I never dreamed I'd be brave enough to try. You showed me that it's worth holding out onto until you meet that one person that makes you feel complete. But most importantly, meeting you meant I had the courage to be those things by myself. Part of me feels like I'll never truly be complete without you, but this past year I've made a pretty good start. I've been bitten to death by mosquitoes. I've been unable to sleep because of the heat. I've been scratched to death by bushes. I slept out under the night sky. I've seen wild lions, giraffes, leopards. Best of all, I've captured it all on camera. I never would have done any of that if I hadn't run into you, quite literally, on that cold December day. So, I'll say now what I wasn't brave enough to say in person, and please know that if I'm ever lucky enough to feel this way again, I'll make sure I'm brave enough to say it then. I love you, Max. Now and always, Josie. That's how the book ends, and I just, like... (laughs) The book is so good. I've literally talked about it for 17 and a half minutes. This book is so good. But oh my god. Like I could never read this book again and have those words freaking imprinted on my brain and cry about them (laughs) for the rest of my life because it was that good but that heart-wrenching. Like it was Jojo Moyes on crack. It's Jojo Moyes on steroids. Like in me before you, we knew all along about it. You know, like, we knew. And here we didn't know until the end. But then, like, you know, if you read it again, ugh, so good. But I just feel like you needed to be emotionally prepared. <laughs> but you should definitely read it. But have a stack of Kleenex at the end. Because, I seriously, I'm, I'm wrecked again. Enjoy the view by Sarah Morgenthaler. Let's move on now from being emotional. Because <laughs> this book is hysterical. Book three of the Moose Springs, Alaska series. So we had the tourist attraction and then Mistletoe and Mr. Wright. Yeah. Um, and now we have Enjoy the View. I started this book last night, so I'm not done with it yet, but like, I just wanted to talk about it because I know I'll finish it before the end of December and it's hysterical. It's absolutely hysterical. Although, yeah, it comes out... Oh, oh, 
I misread that. It came out January of this year. I thought it was coming out January 19th of next year. So when I could download this book, I was very confused. I was like, wait a second. How, how am I like, how am I able to download this book? I thought I was special. Uh, <laughs> okay. Anyway. Well, good. Perfect. Because I'm like, I wanted to be reading 2021 books. And so here we are. We're finishing it out. Uh, it reads, a former Hollywood darling River Lane's acting career is tanking fast. Determined to start fresh behind the camera, she agrees to film a documentary about the picturesque small town of Moose Springs, Alaska. The assignment should have been easy, but the quirky locals want nothing to do with River. Well, too bad. River's going to make this film and prove herself no matter what it takes. Or what literal mountain she has to climb. Easton Lockett may be a gentle giant, but he knows a thing or two about survival. If he can keep everyone in line, he should be able to get River and her crew up and down Mount Vale in one piece. Turns out that's a big if. The wildlife's wilder than usual, the camera crew's determined to wander off a cliff, and the gorgeous actress is fearless. Falling for River only makes Easton's job tougher, but there's only so long he can hold out against her brilliant smile. When bad weather strikes, putting everyone at risk, it'll take all of Easton's skill to get them back home safely and convince River she should stay in his arms for good. Sarah Morgenthaler is hysterical. Now, I will say Mistletoe and Mr. Wright, not my favorite of the three. That one felt a little slower uh, in reading terms, but the tourist attraction and enjoy the view, just the, the sarcasm is on point. It's, it does not miss. And now I'm really bummed because, okay, the tourist attraction came out last May, Mistletoe and Mr. Wright came out last October, and this one came out January of last year. Darn, I'm so bummed. I thought it was coming out in January next year because I was hoping that that meant we were going to get one about Ashton, Easton's twin sister. Yeah. Oh, man, are we not? That would be a bummer. Okay, wait a minute. I'm. Oh, that's just reading about. Yeah, three book series. Okay, well, I can only hope Sarah Morgenthaler, because I don't think I can even tag her. I think I tried tagging her on Instagram when I did my November wrap up, and I don't think I was able to do that. But if there's a way for you to hear this, um, I I need a book for Ashton and Jax. Come like, come on, you have to give me Ashton and Jackson. Come on, like anyway. Easton is this six six Thor godlike man with a man bun uh, and a big beard, um, who is so lovable. Love him in all the books. Like he's basically like a gentle giant. Is one with the wildlife mountain man. Like does all of these trek adventures. That's what he does for work taking people up and down uh, mountains and also tracking wildlife. Uh, I was so excited to get into this book. And River is exactly his perfect counterpart. I mean, she has no fear where I stopped last night. Uh, he is getting ready to take them up. But of course, me being me, I uh, went ahead and just like perused throughout the book. <sighs> and I can't wait. See, when I really love a book, I'll get to a point and then because I'm of the mind, I'm like, I have to know what happens. Otherwise, I'll just speed read through it and then I miss stuff. So that's why I like to look in the back of the books. Uh, a lot of people are like, you're a sociopath. And maybe I am. 
Maybe. Who knows? Uh, but then I can go and I can actually read the book and enjoy it because I know, you know, that they're going to end up together. That's, uh, that's how I ruined Always in December for myself. Uh, no spoilers, but like, that's how I ruined it for myself because <laughs> I loved it so much and I was reading and then I was like, oh, let me check the back. And, and yeah, and then I just, uh, cried throughout the whole, uh, freaking book. So anyway, maybe I am a sociopath, but whatever. Uh, I read the very end of it and I cannot wait. Obviously, you know, River and Easton are going to end up together. Uh, but yeah, no, I need more. I need more Moose Springs books. And like, this makes me want to go to Alaska, even though Moose Springs would definitely not have me because I'm a tourist and they hate tourists. Uh, but like, I need to be there for Graham and Zoe's wedding. I need to be there because I just know the Rick's going to propose to Lana soon or, you know, knowing her, Lana's probably going to propose to Rick. And like, I need to know if Easton and River, like make it up to Nepal, like make it up Mount Everest and back. Like I need another one. I need Ashton and Jackson. I need it. Now, having made it through my list of the uh, December books, I thought I would go through my overall 2021 reads list, um, and just give my final thoughts on the books, uh, that way it's like a too long didn't listen to all of the monthly wrap-ups, so here you go. Uh, I started off with Sophie Cousins this time next year, absolutely loved. She was a brand new author for me, <laughs> once again, British. Uh, I have her newest book that just came out, uh, waiting for me at the library, but I have to keep putting it, like, deliver later because it was just all of the uh, Christmas movies, so I didn't have a chance. Uh, then I went on a Bridgerton run, so uh, we start off with The Duke and I. This is my least favorite Bridgerton book, honestly. Um, like, if the show hadn't existed and I just randomly picked this book up beforehand, I don't know that I would have continued on with the series. But then we did The Viscount Who Loved Me, which is going to be season two, which comes out March 25th. I don't know if you saw that or not, but they announced on Christmas Day uh, that the season two is going to be out in March. I, I'm shocked because they just, when did they wrap? They, they, like, they wrapped it not that long ago. Uh, so post-production is killing it. I love it. Um, Anthony, show Anthony could never book Anthony million times better. Cannot wait. Uh, then we had an offer from a gentleman, uh, which was Benedict's book. I know that we're getting, like, I th I think we're getting up to season five, season four. I, don't, I know we're getting a few more seasons out of it. Um, book Benedict so much better, but uh, it's a little like a Cinderella story for me. Uh, so it wasn't like my absolute favorite, but I, I still did enjoy it. Um, then I had the Sunday Lunch Club by Juliet Ashton. She was also a new author for me. It's a little like Notting Hill mixed with Love Actually super cute. Uh, love the ending. Also kept me guessing the whole time. Then we had Romancing Mr. Bridgerton, which is Colin, my sweet baby angel Colin. Uh, I loved this. My cousin Kelsey, Colin is her favorite. And I was like, oh, you're going to love the book. And she hated book Colin. And I'm like, yeah, it feels illegal, <laughs> but, but I loved it. Then it was to Sir Philip with Love, which was Eloise. It got so much hate on Amazon in the reviews, but I enjoyed it. And honestly, this is where we actually meet Marina, uh, in a way. Um, 
I don't know where they're going with the Marina storyline in the show because the book is completely different. But I I liked Philip. I I I liked him and I I think he's perfect for Eloise. So I liked this one. And really the book for me was made though when they all tried to come and rescue Eloise like Anthony, Benedict, Colin and Gregory. Like that was absolutely the best part of the whole book. Then I was introduced to E.B. Dunmore with Bringing Down the Duke. Love obsessed. I read this book in under 36 hours. Couldn't put it down. Give me Duke Montgomery any day of the week. Look, he had a little bit of Benedict in him because he was like, oh, I can't marry you, so be my mistress. And she's like, no. And then he comes back to her. He's like, okay, marry me anyway. And she goes, no. And then and then he just marries her anyway. We love it. Uh, and then I quickly followed that up with Evie's second book, A Rogue of One's Own. On first read-through, this one did not go as fast for me as uh, Bringing Down the Duke. But I've referenced this book so many times because of present-day events. Um, Tristan Ballantyne. Lord. <sighs> Lord Ballantyne. I love him the ending he absolutely stole the show and stole my heart love then I had love your life by Sophie Kinsella um I love Sophie Kinsella she's my first favorite author but um wasn't my favorite of hers I didn't dislike it but also not my absolute favorite but it's a very Sophie Kinsella book Moving on, we had Spoiler Alert by Olivia Dade. I <laughs> I will forever laugh about this book because it is the most non-YA book ever, but the cover is so YA. Um, I gave it a five stars because I thought the resolution, the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, conflict resolution was very mature and something that I don't see a lot, so loved. Then it was back over to Bridgerton, Julia Quinn again. When he was wicked, Francesca's story, Michael Sterling. That's it, Michael Sterling. That's all. <laughs> if we could get Matthew good, I don't. I never know if it's good or goody. I think it's good. As I always go back to Mandy Moore when he was in. Um, Chasing Liberty, uh, which I love that movie. I should see if that's on streaming services. Anyway, uh, I would love if he would play Michael Sterling. I don't know why. I just feel like, like when I picture Michael Sterling, I picture Matthew. Um, her second epilogue brought me to absolute tears. It's the best. It's the best one. (laughs) Justice for Francesca. Francesca needs more airtime and honestly, overall more book time. Like Francesca's done so wrong. Truly. The cul-de-sac war, probably my least favorite book that I've purposefully picked out to read this year. Um, well, I mean, I did finish it though, uh, but I picked that out for like the April book club and yeah, I just really did not like it. I had a reread of Meg Cabot's The Boy Next Door series. It, I don't know why, I was just feeling very nostalgic and I love that series. The second book in that series is Boy Meets Girl, also love it has my absolute favorite line. I think about this quote so often 
It's not even funny. And I mean, the first time I read this book, I was in high school. What's the sound of one hand clapping? What's the weight of a single grain of sand? Answer, as interesting as the message you're about to leave. So make it quick. I think about that all the time. (laughs) Then we had The Air Affair by Heather Cox and Jessica Morgan, the long-awaited sequel to The Royal We. I, this book wrecked me, absolutely wrecked me. And then, you know, upon further reflection, I can understand where they actually didn't have to um, go that hard and ruin Freddy's life the way that they kind of did. But at the same time, I still, well, I still get it to a point, but yeah, then the very wrecked me absolutely wrecked me. Love. Obsessed. Uh, Wrecked me in the best possible sense. I loved it. Uh, Then I got sucked in by Candy Steiner, the TikTok author, one of the many TikTok authors, with The Wrong Game and the follow-up, The Right Player. Read those both in under 24 hours. They were free on Kindle Unlimited. Um, Spicy books, but funny because like the first one the woman knows so much about sports and I was like where is this where are these men who love women who love sports so much because this is obviously a book because this is not real life then we were back to finish up the Bridgerton series with it's in his kiss which was Hyacinth's story very unlike any of the others very bubbly very light loved her and Gareth um I but I am gonna have to nix the thought that I think he has a rat tail in that. So that's going to be a no for me. Oh, then we had 10 Rules for Faking It by Sophie Sullivan. I love her. That is her um, pen name. But her second book, which we're going to talk about, technically comes out next month in January, where I will talk about it again. Uh, But I got an advanced reader copy. Absolutely loved. Uh, But 10 Rules for Faking It, obsessed. Love absolutely loved. Um, and then we actually finished out Bridgerton with On the Way to the Wedding, which is Gregory's story. So, um, you know, for a book, it was okay. But for an ending to a series that spanned 27 years, I am very disappointed because we had no Francesca. We had no Benedict. We had, like, three pages with Colin. We had a little bit of Anthony and Kate. Um, I, did we have Daphne at all? I don't... Mm, no, I don't think we had any Daphne. Um, I was just left very underwhelmed. Like, this storyline spans 27 years, and we, like, didn't get to say goodbye to half the people, and so I was not a fan of that. Then, Shipped by Angie Hockman absolutely loved, obsessed. I personally think it's better than The Unhoneymooners because everyone was telling me, like, oh, it's like The Unhoneymooners, which happened to be the next book I read by Christina Lauren. Um, I just, I, I either love Christina Lauren's characters or, like, books because I love all the characters or I can't stand a single character in the book. Um, yeah, The Unhoneymooners just, I don't quite understand all of the hype about it. Um, to Have It to Hooks by Martha Waters, another new author for me. Loved. It's very Bridgerton meets Friends, meets The Parent Trap, super fast, sets up the series of it very well. Uh, 
Then I read To Love and To Loathe, which is the second book in the series. That is a um, enemies to lovers, but also sort of friends to lovers book. Um, Again, a well, I haven't reread this one. Um, a lot like a rogue of one's own, just like good, but for some reason went so much slower for me than the first one. Then I finished up the um, Boy Next Door series by Meg Cabot with Every Boy's Got One. I had never read this book previously. Um, so that was sort of why I was doing the reread too. Uh, Cause I'm like, wait, I never knew that this third book existed. I did like it, but the first two are just so good. Uh, in case you missed it by Lindsay Kelk, this is the first book of hers that I read. Another British author. Loved, left me speechless. At one point, I, I threw my Kindle. I was worried I was going to break it because I was just absolutely floored. Um, it's like a new age Bridget Jones in a way. Laughed a lot. Loved the friend dynamic. Would love to see it as a movie. The Runaway, oh, sorry, The Royal Runaway by Lindsay Emery. It was a random Amazon recommendation that I was able to get through the Libby app. Read it in two days, couldn't put it down. I did not spoil the ending for me. It is like a rom-com mystery. Yeah, in a way. Um, loved. And it has a sequel, but the sequel wasn't anywhere for me to read, so I haven't read it yet. Kisses and Croissants by Anne-Sophie Jeannot. Uh, That was a new YA novel. That that one actually is YA. Uh, Center Stage Meets France. I love Paris. Um, this is no to all the boys for me. Uh, I did like it, but it's no to all the boys, <laughs> if that makes any sense. Next, we had The Soulmate Equation by Christina Lauren. This may be my favorite book this year. Um, Dr. River Nicholas Benna. Absolutely. Uh, he, yeah. I, I'm just thinking ahead because, I mean, this was only in May. So, um, oh, this man. <laughs> oh, we did it, River Nicholas. We did it. I love this book. Absolutely obsessed. People We Meet on Vacation by Emily Henry. I do not get the hype. I read this book, was very confused about how I felt about it until, like, the more I thought about it, the more I realized that I just was very unhappy with it. If it were about 70-ish pages shorter, maybe 100 pages shorter, I don't know, probably would have been better. Or if the drama, like, the reason that they hadn't spoken in years had been more than them almost making out, but they didn't actually make out. Maybe then it would have been better, but I've never seen two fake people fight so hard to not be together when they both want to be together. I don't know. I just was not a fan. How to Fail at Flirting by Denise Williams. Could not put this down. Finished it in under 24 hours. Uh, obsessed. Spicy, but obsessed. And then I had a string of books I didn't finish. Uh, you Have a Match by... Oh, well, I don't actually have the author on here. Uh, another YA book. Some people liked it. It's supposed to be like the parent trap, but I just could not get into it. Uh, I picked up 40 Love by Olivia Dade after spoiler alert, but couldn't get into it. The age difference was just way too much for me. And then I had the last bookshop in London. 
normally I love World War II books, but at the time I just had so many books piled up to read that this one, it didn't grab me in the first 20 pages. And I'm like, I gotta move on. Um, but it might be good. Like I would actually like to revisit it when I have less books to read. Breaking that streak though was Rachel Lynn Solomon's The X Talk. This was her first foray out of YA. Uh, new author for me, obsessed. The chemistry was off the charts. This one was another, uh, the female character is older than the male character, but the age difference was like five years. So that I was fine with. The Olivia Dade one, 40 Love, it was like, they had like a 20 year age difference. And I'm like, I either side of that, weird for me. Um, but yeah, I, I loved it. And I mean, first time out of YA could have fooled me. I mean, it's not super spicy, but it does have spicy parts to it. My favorite Half Night Stand by Christina Lauren, friend Jen, had picked this for book club. Uh, hated it. Did not like it. Um, oh, I just, I, I did not like that one. The Road Trip by Beth O'Leary, another British author, brand new to me. I loved it. Um, very complex, very funny, heartfelt, already, like, I, that was the first book of hers that I read, and then I went on to read the other two that she's written so far. <laughs> that was how much I liked it. Much Ado About You by Samantha Young. Nothing else to say, but read anything that Samantha Young writes. If this is not my life, like, oh my god. She's 33, she gets, well, she ends up quitting her job because she gets passed over for a promotion, so she quits, and then goes off to a little tiny English-Scottish one of the other towns, <sighs> meets a farmer. If that's not my life, I don't want it. Uh, Plot Twist by Bethany Turner. Book was so fast. Uh, love the concept. It was, um, this is kind of like people we meet on vacation, but better. Probably because it was really like half the length. Um, but also had more substance to the reason that they weren't speaking. You know what I mean? Uh, but I did also want to strangle Liam half the time, but I loved the book. The Switch by Beth O'Leary. She switches places with her grandmother, Eileen, goes to the little English village. I, well, Eileen goes to the big city in London. Loved it. I got Eileen. I miss my grandma. Loved. Um, You Had Me at Hello by Maddie McFarlane. I did not finish this one, which was shocking. But honestly, I don't really love the premise of it. Uh, but I had read If I Never Met You last year. So I was, um, like excited to read more by Monty McFarland and I just couldn't really get into it. And what I wrote here is, uh, I can't do tortured friends to lovers romances because once again, it was a little bit like people we meet on vacation, but also a little worse because he was actually engaged. Um, Finley Donovan is killing it. That was the it book. That and people we meet on vacation were the it books of the summer. I got my hands on it by El Casamano. Loved. The first 20 pages stressed me out, but then I really got into it. I did not spoil the end and the last pages please hurry up April of 2022 for the sequel. I cannot wait. Then I read How to Love Your Neighbor by Sophie Sullivan, which is 
a standalone, but also sort of a follow-up to Ten Rules for Faking It because it involves his brother. It doesn't come out until January 18th of 2022, but put it on your list, get it from the library, buy it on Amazon, buy it from your local bookstore, whatever, because it's that good. Uh, and Now You're Back by Jill Mansell. Classic Jill. Uh, I put it as a solid four, and I said it's not my favorite Jill book, but you still can't go wrong. Um, it did make me cry. Not many of her books make me cry, but sometimes I do. Um, I can't wait for her newest one, though, which technically comes out in England, like, in a couple of weeks, but they never come out until June, July in America, and I hate it. Uh, the Hating Game this came out years ago. The fact that absolutely no one told me about it. Jail for everyone. I loved it. I have the app. My friend went ahead and I think she bought it. I hope she didn't just rent it. Now I can't watch it now. Uh, well, I don't care. I'll probably just buy it anyway. She said it was really good, the movie of it. And I cannot wait, but that book was so good. And I was like, how did no one tell me? How did no one tell me? Moving on, we have The Wall of Winnipeg and Me by Mariana Zapata. I'm pretty sure my friend Heather has asked me to read this book since it came out in 2016. Finally got around to it. Uh, it's on Kindle Unlimited. I like this book. It reminded me a lot of Love on the Sidelines, the Hallmark movie, except for like 10 of the last 20 pages. Uh, slowest burn ever, but very thorough book. And it was, it was pretty good. I would read more by uh, Mariana Zapata, which makes Heather extremely happy. Beach Read by Emily Henry. This is the book. If I had read this book first and then I read People We Meet on Vacation, I don't know if I would have enjoyed that one more or if I would have been more disappointed, but I was very hesitant going into reading Beach Read, but I loved this book. Josie Silver wrote on the front of it, a breath of fresh air, steamy, smart, and perceptive. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. So good. Here with me by Samantha Young. The start of the Adair family series. I wrote, uh, if Fifty Shades was better written, not as spicy, but mixed with Outlander, a murder mystery, and real enemies to lovers. There's nothing, I mean, that is the most succinct that I can give for this book. Uh, I love Lachlan Adair. I thought Lachlan would be my favorite. Uh, and then I met his brother Thane. I, I can't decide. The Flat Chair by Beth O'Leary. This was the last book of hers that I got a chance to read, but it's actually her first book that she wrote. And I completely understand how this one launched her into the stratosphere. This was such a fun concept. Really enjoyed it. Not really like anything that I had read previously, loved. And now I cannot wait for her to put more books out because I've read all three and I loved all three. Uh, Makeup Breakup by Lily Menon. This book had a good concept, but, and I laughed a lot, but I gave it a four because it still felt like it was missing something. And I think it has to do with the fact that it felt drawn out for page length, but then everything was wrapped up in a nice little bow in like the final two pages. And I hate when that happens because it's like, I could use the page length at the end of the book versus keeping it for drama and then having just this slam bang finish. We can't keep meeting like this. Rachel Lynn Solomon. So I picked this up because I loved the X talk. I and because of the X-Talk, I knew that she was primarily a YA author, but I didn't realize that this was a YA book. And 
I just, I couldn't get into it. I did not finish this book. I would consider giving it another go, but the premise, I don't really feel like fits with the age frame that they have. The Wisterious Society of Lady Scoundrels by India Holton. The cover, beautiful. And it's, I think it would work on film. Like, I think it would work on screen. It's very steampunk. I did not finish this book. And by not finish it, I mean, I made it to like 18 pages and they kept saying flying houses and I couldn't figure out what that meant. And when I realized that they actually literally meant that they were flying houses, I was like, I can't do this. It just, it reminds me of Stardust, even though I did not make it past 18 pages of this book. And that's not the first, I'm not the only person after I posted this, a few people reached out saying, oh, you know, I know someone reading it and they said the same thing. On Dublin Street, again, Samantha Young, where the first half of my year was Bridgerton, historical romance, Julia Quinn. The back half of my year was Samantha Young. I'm not mad about it. I did not realize this was her very first book series. It came out 10 years ago this year. Uh, Braden Carmichael is <laughs> unmatched. Absolutely unmatched. Um, it's a six book series. Not not enough good things, but no one, no one, not a single person tops Braden Carmichael. He's he's the best. I followed that up with another Samantha Young book, There With You, which is the second book in the Adair family series with Lachlan's brother Thane. And normally, well, and to be fair, this is only the first book, but I don't enjoy the premise of the nanny falling for the single dad, usually because I am a nanny and I just think that that's a really odd trope that is very unrealistic. And I mean, I just watched like a hundred TV Christmas movies. So, you know, where I am on the realism, like I can set it aside most of the times, but uh, no, totally worked here. Yeah, I love Thane. I I absolutely love Thane. And all I know is, is that I need to go to Scotland and there better be Scottish men that are like all of these men that Samantha Young writes about, because otherwise the expectations are just too high. Just Last Night by Maddie McFarlane was her 2021 book. I got it because even after I couldn't get into You Had Me at Hello, I still have other Maddie McFarlane books to read because I really did enjoy If I Never Met You. And this one was a total hit for me. It does not end anything like I thought it would when I first started the book. And I actually loved that fact. Uh, the end had me sobbing. Just a really good book. Loved it. Uh, Portrait of a Scotsman by Evie Dunmore. It's the third book in an extraordinary, a league of extraordinary women, this time featuring Hattie and Lucian. I was very excited when I realized that they were going to pair Hattie and Lucian together, but I gave it a 4.2 out of 5, and I wrote, I don't know what to say. I loved it. I rolled my eyes at times. I questioned Hattie's sanity. But I was also like, well, I guess I see your point. I love Lucian. And a quote from him, I'll do what I can about the bill for the cause for you. Oh, swoon. I loved Lucian. I loved him. I did not love Hattie as much as I expected to. And it's not that I don't think that she wasn't totally in the right, but also she was just beating a dead horse with a stick. I was like, girl, he will do anything for you. So can we get it together. The ending, 
I didn't like, and then we pulled it together for the epilogue. I was like, okay, thank you. Because the original, I, I was like, well, I don't know where this is going, but I know that I don't like it. Accidentally engaged by Farrah Heron. Loved this because I love learning about other cultures through rom-com fiction books. Like, I just, I love the juxtaposition of it. Uh, stressed me out a lot, though. But the best quote, and I just randomly think about this quote sometimes. Uh, the main character, Rena, says to Nadim, we don't have daddy issues. We have Indian parents. That shit runs deep. And as a white woman in the Midwest, I can just assume that that's probably a very true line for um, the Indian culture. <laughs> Down London Road. This is the second book of the On Dublin Street series. Samantha Young, again. I absolutely adore Cam and Joe. Loved. I could not believe the conflict resolution in this book. I was so happy because she didn't do the thing that I thought she was going to do. Like, it would have been so easy for her to go to her ex and then she didn't. And she went to Brayden and um, Joss instead. And I, I love that. Like, Samantha Young just knew. She just knew and I loved it. Roomies by Christina Lauren. Jen picked this one out. I gave this one a 4.5. I I liked it. The conflict didn't go the way that I thought that it probably would. So again, I enjoy when I expect one thing to happen, but then it, like the predictable thing, but then it's not. Um, but like, it's not a smash, like home run, grand slam hit for me, like the soulmate equation or in a holidays. Uh, but I did like it. I liked it a lot more than, uh, well, definitely my favorite half night stand and the unhoneymooners. Talk Bookish to Me by Kate Bromley. This was her first book. I absolutely adored it. It's 252 pages, so it's a super fast read. Loved the concept. Flew through this book. I would love to see this turned into a movie. And when I did my original review of this, I had tagged Kate on Instagram and she had reached out to me. And she's like, oh, thank you so much. I'm so happy you loved it. And I brought up a plot point in the book. And she's like, oh, well, if you love that, you should stick around for an announcement next year. I'm so excited. I love this book. You definitely need to pick it up. It Happened One Summer by Tessa Bailey. This was the other, like, people we meet on vacation, Finley Donovan is killing it, and It Happened One Summer were the hottest books of the summer. That's all anyone was talking about. I was able to get my hands on this one right at the end of summer through the Libby app, it was my first Tessa Bailey book, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Now, I will say, though, again, like on Dublin Street, because the copy that I read, like, they retooled the cover, and it's a super cute illustrated cover. Same thing here. The covers are nothing like the books. But you know what? I love these men because they know what they want, and they go after it. I love that. Before Jamaica Lane, the third book in the On Dublin Street series, Again, Samantha Young. Um, this one, look, I love all six. I really do. But if I had to actually really rank all six, this would be my least favorite. But by least favorite, I would still say definitely read it. Uh, Nate and Olivia, when I found out that they were this book, like the second I realized in Down London Road that it was going to be Olivia... I, I actually screamed out loud. I was so excited. Had to get my inhaler. I was that excited. Um, I liked this book, but Nate kind of like got on my nerves a little bit. And then um, this one was just more awkward. 
but I still loved it. Getting into some of my Christmas books, we had The Santa Suit by Mary Kay Andrews. This was a quick novella, Christmas story, uh, just over 200 pages. It was the first Mary Kay Andrews book. <laughs> my dog is in here trying to attack me. Um, it was my first Mary Kay Andrews book. I would read more by her, but this book left me wanting more. But I know it's a novella, but it just had a couple of plot holes that I wish we had to filled in. You know what I mean? Witch Please by Anne Aguirre, I think. I tried looking up how to say her last name and I never found the correct pronunciation. So if I said that wrong, I apologize. This one I had seen at the library and I was able to get it. I read it in two travel days when I was going to Boston in October for a wedding, but I did not particularly enjoy this book. Like, did I, is the book bad? No. Was it good? No. Like, it just, it, but it was somewhere, yeah, somewhere in the middle. Like, I didn't hate it, but I definitely didn't enjoy it. I did finish it, though, and it was a fast read, but there's a sequel coming out, and I cannot figure out if I'm going to read it or not. But it's kind of like Practical Magic and Gilmore Girls. So again, it's not awful. It just, it also kind of wasn't good. Fall from India plays book four in the On Dublin Street series, Marco and Hannah. I, I messaged Samantha Young. Well, I don't, I don't think it was over this one. I think it was at the last book. And I was like, you are a reader author. You give us what we're asking for. And I am obsessed. From book one, mm, no, we meet Hannah in book one because it's Brayden's stepsister. From book two, because Hannah and Joe were very good friends, we know that she is in love with Marco. I am so excited that Hannah got her own book and she ends up with Marco. Could not have gotten any better. If anyone could out Brayden Carmichael, Brayden Carmichael, it would be Marco. He is my second favorite. I... I am obsessed. I love this one. Window Shopping by Tessa Bailey was her little Christmas novella book. Around the same page length as the Mary Kay Andrews one. This one, complete fluff piece with some spice in it, which is I'm apparently just learning is the Tessa Bailey way. Uh, but absolutely would never happen in real life. Uh, but that's okay. When you can totally suspend your belief and just know, it, you know, it's okay. Um, so that one was, that one's a good book. Meet Me in London by Georgia Toffolo. I mean, look, you put snow, you put a picture, you know, something about London. You have the title London in it. Sign me up. It's set at Christmas time, but it's not particularly super Christmassy. This was her first book and it's now, it's the first book of a four part series. So I'm really excited to get into the other ones. I did like this book, um, but I feel like you could kind of read it whenever you wanted to, although it is set in December. I mean, another one of those, I feel like it would never happen. It's kind of Cinderella-ish in in a way, but also kind of not, but I, I liked it. And A Season for Second Chances, already talked about it, definitely pick it up, always in December. Obviously, we just talked about this. Uh, all the Feels by Olivia Day. Now we're getting into, I realized that there were some books that were missing that I just apparently didn't save to my, um, uh, I didn't save to my highlight reel uh, <laughs> sort of this. So I had to go back in and add them in. But anyway, All the Feels by Olivia Day. It's the sequel to, spoiler alert, 
you could read it as a standalone. You you definitely could, but it picks up on the heels of spoiler alert. I technically read this one in December, but I didn't talk about it earlier because I couldn't really get into the beginning of it, so I I skipped to like page 200 whatever, literally like halfway through the book and then read halfway through the end and it was okay. Kind of makes me want to read try and go back and read the first half again but uh I didn't love it nearly as much as spoiler alert but it's still it's still an okay book the tourist attraction by Sarah Morgenthaler uh I kind of mentioned it because we were just talking about enjoy the view I love this book I love Graham I love Zoe it was so fast laughed out loud a ton the sarcasm the wit loved absolutely loved Mistletoe and Mr. Wright, uh, again by Sarah Morgenthaler. It's the sequel. Again, like other sequels, they just, I don't know what it is, but a lot of the second books of series for me this year just don't read as fast. It was still good. And it's actually a reverse. Instead of it being the rich guy swooping in to help out the cash-strapped girl, Lana is the rich one and she falls for Rick who is struggling uh, owning the pool hall in Moose Springs, Alaska. Um, But I loved it. I loved Rick. It just, it definitely didn't read as fast for me as the first one, but they're trying to catch the Santa Moose. Again, a lot of sarcasm. I love her friendship with Zoe. Loved. And then we have Enjoy the View. I, I don't know what else to say. Easton and River. Love. I need more, please. The Holiday Swap by Maggie Knox. I originally read this one in October. I got tagged in an Instagram post about it because someone was like, oh, this reminds me of a Hallmark movie. And obviously they know I love Hallmark. Uh, And I looked, I was like, oh yeah, it's kind of like the CCB Switched for Christmas from 2017. Loved this book. It's the first book by Maggie Knox. And it was... It was in like the 250 page ring range. Um, so sort of around like the window shopping page range. I loved it. It was a cute, fluffy book. I had no issues with it. The like it could have been more dramatic, but I'm glad it wasn't because it's just like a fun, light Christmas read that had some drama. But you know, anything can be solved at Christmas time with Christmas magic. Loved it. Echoes of Scotland Street, book five of six of the On Dublin Street series, Cole Walker. (laughs) Look, okay, I just said that Marco was my second favorite behind Brayden, and that stands, kind of. Cole, like, we literally grew up with this child from being an angsty, awkward teenager as Joe's little brother to then getting his own book. So in Fall from India Place, that took place five years after Nate and Olivia's book. And I wasn't sure then, like at the beginning, I was like, oh, I don't know. Because the first three books of the series happen like all within probably the span of two years, really, if you take out the epilogues. Um, So, and that was fine. And so walking into Hannah's book, I was like, oh man, we've got to go forward five years. I don't know how I'm going to feel about that. Loved it. Loved it. It was, it was perfect. Then when I got to Cole's book, we jumped forward like three more years. And when I realized, I was like, oh man, three more years have gone by. But when I realized, well, I mean like page one, 
we open up the first time that Cole and Shannon meet, which happened to happen in Down London Road. No. Yes. No, see, I keep having this conundrum moment where I'm like, did it happen in Down London Road or uh, before Jamaica Lane? Whenever it was that Ellie moved in with Adam, this is when Cole meets Shannon for the first time. And I'm like, Samantha Young. (laughs) I was screaming. But Cole getting his own book, I was obsessed. I absolutely loved that book. Moonlight and Nightingale Way. I finished off the Odd Dublin Street series. (sighs) And all I can say... Everyone got the most beautiful, gorgeous send-off where, so the very first thing I did when I opened that book was I immediately went to the very end for the epilogues because after Julia Quinn ruined the Bridgerton series by ending Gregory's book, not including half of the people, and it spanned 27 years... I was like, please, please, please tell me that we see everyone. Because everyone has been involved in every single book. I mean, the family table just kept growing bigger. Like, it was amazing and it's beautiful. So I was like, please tell me everyone gets a happy ending. And they did. Every single book character got their own epilogue at the end of, in in the grand scheme of the epilogues. And I was like, I was crying because I was like, this is so amazing. Then I actually went back and read the book. (laughs) It features Logan, Shannon's brother, and his love interest, Grace. And I just loved it. It, Like, I didn't know how I was going to feel about that one because Logan was not part of any of the original groups. Like, we only sort of meet him in Cole and Shannon's book. And I was like, man, we're bringing in a completely new person here. Um, But it worked so well and it just flowed so seamlessly together. (sighs) Oh my God, I cannot. Um, So yeah, like all I can say on for the whole of the year, the Han Dufflin Street series was a true highlight to my reading adventures. It was just, it was just so good. They're so good. I mean, like, I feel like some people will be like, oh, they're, they're spicy books and that's all the only reason why people like them. That's really, truly not it for me. Like, it's, it's the stories, it's the love, it's the affection, it's the writing. It just, Samantha Young, beautiful, beautiful writing. The last book, number 72, even though it's out of order because I technically read this in October, but you know, I didn't realize that I didn't put it on anything until now. Uh, The X-Hex by Aaron Sterling. I could not get my hands on this book. It was the like $5 book of the month club book pick for October. And I nearly wanted to join book of the month just so I could get that book because I couldn't find it anywhere. Uh, I got it through the library on like October 28th came in. I mean, I had placed the hold and it was taking forever. Uh, but I got the hold off of like October 20th. I was like, well, this was great because much like the Christmas books, I'm like, well, it's a Halloween book. So I need to read it by Halloween. And if I can't, like, what's the point of reading it? This one is very much like Practical Magic. I thoroughly enjoyed the book. Um, and yet 
I gave it a 4.5. I don't know. There was, there was like, there's just something missing from the book. I don't know what, but I did thoroughly enjoy the book. And some people were like, oh, it's, it's kind of spicy. I didn't, probably, I mean, like, because like after, after you read historical romance fiction and then the Samantha Young books, I was like, well, like, this is nothing. I don't even know. Um. So I would not really classify it as such, but I really loved it. And I was so happy at the end that I got it in by the end of October and I finished it on Halloween. I was, I was just like pumped. I was like, great. Now I can enter in all of my Christmas season books and get them all done. And that is it. That is all 72 books this year. Wild. On that note, I am heading out of here for the year on the podcast. That is so crazy for me to be saying. I have so thoroughly enjoyed this last year with you guys uh, talking into a little tiny microphone every week, usually, sometimes twice a week, uh, about the things that are on my mind. It blows my mind that people in 17 countries have listened in all the way in Australia. It's crazy to me that here I am in Ohio and people on the actual opposite side of the globe of me are listening in. I hope that I was able to bring you some joy this year in what is only to be considered the second pandemic year as we head into maybe a third, hopefully not, fingers crossed. Um, But I hope I was able to bring you some sunshine this year and I cannot wait for 2022. I am hopeful of many things. I know that there are a few things that I'm very excited to reveal that I cannot share yet. But until next time, until next year, remember there are no bad hair days. I will see you guys next time.